I want to remind you guys it's important to, to use your mouth to bless people. What I just did was I used my mouth to bless people, right? You can say, well, you could have just talked to them afterwards, or you, or you guys have been in those situations where God's like, hey, encourage that person or say something to that coworker, and you just oftentimes can slide back into, well, it's okay, you'll take care of it. There's this, this edge about stepping into a place where you say something that God has prompted you to say. I want to encourage you, it's a fundamental responsibility and a fundamental gift God gives all of us in life is that we speak on his behalf and we encourage one another to venture on towards the things that God has called us to. So if you are a faithful Christian but find yourself not often using your mouth to propel other people forward, take courage and start doing it. You don't have to have like big, lengthy, prophetic words. You don't have to have real like, crazy pictures or anything really dynamic. Your job is to encourage one another forward in life. And the more you get comfortable and used to using your mouth to help other people, the more God is excited to put things in your mouth to say. And so it just has to be a pattern that you embrace where fear or hesitancy around encouraging people is something we will defeat. Like we'll get better at it. And I will always yield is my goal when God prompts me to say something. But I'll tell you guys, it's not always easy. We were on an airplane back from Vegas this week. We were there for work. And uh, God started talking to me about the person sitting next to Sophia. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Thank you <laughs> for that information. <laughs> like, so what do you want me to do with that? He's like, I want you to tell her. <laughs> I was like, okay. And, and I, think, I think you guys might think, because I do this, that's easy. That's not always easy. It's not always easy. It's different. It's always different. I remember back, there was another work trip I was on, and I was in Palm Springs, and I was in a cab, and I was in the back of the cab, and we were, he was driving me to the hotel, and God just started talking to me about this guy's life so clearly. I'm like, so what do you want me to do with that information? He's like, I want you to tell him this. And I just locked up. I absolutely locked up. I was afraid. I don't know why. But I, I, was, I, was, I locked up. And, I, and I, so I kind of edged into the conversation about what God was talking to me about. But then I quickly kind of pulled back because what he told me was really specific and really strong. It wasn't bad. It was good. But it was really specific and really strong. Um, and so I froze. And I got out of the car and I was kind and I was nice, but I didn't give him those words. That followed me. It continues to follow me. I feel responsible to, if God talks to me I, and it's about somebody, it's always for their good. It's for their good. It's really fundamentally, this is an opportunity for their good. And so I said, okay, God, next time you tell me something, I won't keep it to myself. So we're on an airplane this week and he starts talking to me about somebody and I just jumped out and did it, <laughs> and I, I did it. And it was so simple, but it, it, had, it had so much life on it. And I had had my headphones on the whole time and noise canceling because Sophia was sitting next to me. I had to make sure I could just be relaxed. <laughs> so she, was, she may have been talking the whole flight, I'm not sure, but I was, I, but she had been talking to her at length and it was what I had told her. I had no idea they'd been talking, but. 
what I told her was really complimentary to what they'd been talking about. And so God used both of us to talk to her. And I just want to encourage you guys, be, be a normal person that likes interacting with people. When God comes around, his presence comes around, and he starts talking to you or prompting you to share or act with this stranger, we get so tense. We get so spiritual. And it gets so serious. I'd like to just encourage you guys, keep it super simple. We're people. People like talking to people. People like being talked to. People actually enjoy hearing from other people. And 99 times out of 100, if God's talking to you about somebody or he's prompting you to interact with them, he's going to tell you something positive about them. He's going to bring light through you to their darkness. And so doesn't it seem consistent with the works of the enemy that he would try to get you to freeze up and say, this isn't going to work, this isn't good, this is going to go badly, this is going to go badly, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. That's, that's, that's not God saying those things. So I want to challenge you guys. You guys are so qualified, so, so qualified to lift people up and to, and to compel and propel people forward. Don't shrink back when given the opportunity. Don't assess yourself. Don't assess what you feel compelled to share. And sometimes it can be as simple as, you look so nice today. You look so nice. I'm really happy to see you today. It's, every time I get around you, it just makes me feel excited. It's good to see you. That's so simple. It's so easy. But it's a door that's being opened, and God is always in the mood to, to encourage and bring light into other people's lives. So as a church, I'd love for us to be branded as ones who are bold to bring joy and light and use what we have to encourage other people. So at any rate, there's a, that was free. You guys ready? All right, what do we got up here? The weapon of dominion. Well, this sounds intense. This is, this is good. This is, going to be a, this is going to be a super intense sermon. Let's see how it goes. The weapon of dominion. Oh, that sounds like a video game that Alex would play. Um, dominion is a, you guys have heard the term domination. It, dominion is a, it's an idea of ruling over, being in charge of, having authority over. It's in the Bible. In a number of places we'll see it, but that's the very simple definition is like, I have control or domination over something. And so you guys know what a weapon is. So let's go to the next slide. This is going to be wonderful. All right. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. All right, I want to lay a foundation about a concept before we talk in detail about where we're going today. Remember, we're on week three of praise of seven. We're doing seven weeks because I feel like over a period of seven weeks, God is establishing something where we, we change a mindset around our authority and his purpose here. And so today is a beautiful day because he's going to highlight tools that he's given us. Um, the songs we sang today, the first song in particular, so specific to what I'm talking about today, so perfect. Um, but let me lay this foundation for you. God, before any of us were around, created all of this. When the Bible describes how he created it, it uses the word said. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So we see this picture of God where he doesn't use his hands to create our universe. 
He uses his mouth. He uses words. There's so much dominion and authority that he controls in not just our universe, but all of, all of existence, that he could say something and it comes to pass. This is a very fundamental concept in Christianity. The idea is like, it's called ex nihilo. The idea is that there was nothing and he was able to speak and out of nothing he creates. So it makes him superior to, Lord of, well, well, well above the, the, the fight and contention that happens here. Sophia in the prayer and the, and the conversation today said, heaven is never pulling in a tug of war against hell. Heaven's way, way, way above it. God is way above the war that exists here on earth. He created all of this. He's the creator. He's above it all. And when he did his creation, he, he did this wonderful thing. He demonstrated how he functions and the seat from which he functions. And he functions from a place of absolute authority, dominance, and control. If he was able to just say, let these things happen, and they happen, that, is, that feels like the most effortless, easy thing that he could have done. He didn't toil and labor. It doesn't say that he, for decades, centuries, millennia, sowed seeds and planted things and thought about how this thing should work. He just said, let it happen, and it did. And so God in his pattern demonstrates a certain authority over all that he's made, and he does it, and he acts with his mouth. I don't see too many pictures in the Bible, and we don't really think about God as physically getting out of his seat, if there is a seat, and coming down and making things happen himself. Usually he's sending messengers or people on his behalf because he doesn't need to do anything himself. He can just say it and it's accomplished. He has that much control and authority. All right, let's go to the next slide. In God's kingdom, dominion is granted by word, not by force. All right, so I want just let's read that one more time. In God's kingdom, dominion is granted by word and not by force. There's never been a battle in which God had to physically fight himself. He always speaks and decides what the outcomes will be. Let's look at the next slide. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Then God said, let us, oh, let's do it twice. <laughs> then God said, let us have make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Okay, so God had created all of this and then he said, let's give man, humankind, dominion over all that we created. All he had to do was say it, and it happened. See how simple that is? So there's nothing God can't accomplish without, by, that he doesn't want to accomplish by saying it. All he has to do is say it. You guys get it super simple. The weapon that God uses to accomplish things is his words, his mouth. All right, so we've been talking about God. All right, let's go to the next slide. God trusts you with authority. Okay, so... The foundation is God has always acted on, on creation by speaking and things are done. 
And then he made us, and the Bible says he made us in his image. Okay. So here's the fundamental concept. You guys have the same tools, same weapons, same um, abilities that God has because you were fashioned in the same image of him. I think it's interesting that God accomplished so much by speaking. He accomplished everything that we can see. He set it all into motion. He continues to hold it together. And he said, I want to make some people in our image so they look, act, feel, have similar capacities to us. And I want to give them authority over the thing I've made. And so let's do that. Let's give them that authority. There's the story. That's the simple background story. Now here we are today. We're people that feel at times like we're so, 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 so small. Like salt on a pretzel. Yeah, that's how small you can feel at times. You can feel like grass in a field. No? Rice in a bowl. <laughs> don't be, don't, don't. Don't do that. I was talking to, to Kevin. <laughs> She's racist. We didn't record that part. That's what that was. <laughs> I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> we feel super small. Super, super small. And we feel like we're pushed around and, and affected by life and affected by the world. And God, when he made us, was like, I want to make someone that's just like me. And I want to give them the same tools and faculties that I have so that they can have dominion over the earth. All that they touch and experience, they're supposed to lord over it and control it in the ways that I had when I, in, I had intended when I made it all. It's a crazy concept to think that that was God's idea. God is not afraid of us having authority, control, dominance over our sphere of influence. In fact, that was his design and idea from the beginning. I don't think we function with that in mind, usually. I feel like we are not victims, but we're, we're pushed by the tides of life in such significant ways. We're challenged by the, the weight of the seasons we, we endure. And we often feel like, like, um, like boat captains waiting for wind to drive us in the right direction. It's like we're in a boat without a sail. But, but God does not have that idea of us. He actually, from the very beginning, designed us and said, you're like me, and I'm going to give you the same tools I have. And the goal is for you to take authority and control over the areas of influence I put you in. And you're going you're gonna to basically be my representatives, representatives, and you're going to do it all here by yourself. What tools did he give you to take authority, control, and victory over the areas that, that he sent you to? In the history of Christianity, there's been so many attempts for humankind to take control, authority, and, and sovereignty, and dominance over the earth. Those attempts have shown up in so many different ways. There's many good where we see technology and 
and beauty that allows there to be more resource and more advancement for the, the betterment of humankind. But there's so many episodes where we can consider the history of humanity and just even the history of Christianity where those in the name of God have said, I need to go on God's behalf and take control over this people or this place in the name of God and I'm bringing an enlightenment, but at the same time, I'm using violence and, and, and my hands to suppress, oppress, or eradicate what was there because I'm coming in the name of God. There's an instinct in us when we feel small to fight with violence in our hands to make ourselves feel big. There's an instinct when we're threatened to either run away or to rise up in, in kind of violent opposition to things. But if you think about it at its fundamental level, when we're challenged, when we're, we're face to face with, with maybe something that wants to take control or authority over our lives, we have a decision to be big and, in our, in and of ourselves, or we have a decision to stand with God and agree that, oh, you and this circumstance actually has no authority over me. It's an interesting history in Christianity where Jesus comes and he says to turn the other cheek. He says that I'm, I'm delivering a kingdom to you and the new kingdom will bring peace, prosperity, wonder and beauty back to the earth. And he doesn't equip them with shields and swords. He equips them with words and ideas. And he says these words and ideas, me as king, and me as king giving authority to you as apostle and servant are going to send this message and accomplish this kingdom transfer throughout the earth. And the disciples go, hey, 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 where's our swords? The disciples say, where's our land that we're going to take? The disciples and all the people say, where's your throne going to be so I can sit next to it? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is a transfer of authority in earth according to a spiritual reality in heaven, and it's accomplished through your words, not through your swords. See, my death ends the battle of physical violence, one kingdom against the other. I'm modeling that we lay down all of our ability within ourselves, and we adopt God's truth and his ability, and we say, this is enough and I'm going to stand here and declare his words and his truth, and that's it. And I'm going to trust that in doing that, in yielding, in being smaller and smaller, like rice in a bowl or salt on a pretzel, I'm never going to demand that I become bigger than that. I'm going to always be small, but I'm going to always hold on to the truth that he has already granted dominion to us. Let's look at the next slide here. So God created humankind in, him, in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. All right, we've got that. Let's go to the next one. For all of us make many mistakes. So now we're, this is the main theme for today. This is in James. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. For every species of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. Doesn't that remind you of Genesis? That's like exactly word for word what we just read in Genesis. 
But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. Okay. Let's go to the next slide really quick. With that tongue, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Okay. For all the disciples, they'd been walking and living with Jesus for a couple years. So they had heard over and over that the kingdom of God was different. It was other. I think by this time, when James is speaking, this is post-resurrection, post-ascension. This church had been going on for 30, 40, maybe 50 years even. And James is writing this book, this letter. So they had been in a pattern for a while realizing, hey, we're actually not going to overthrow the Romans. We're actually not going to have a physical Messiah show up and like take charge and the police are going to move out and his police are going to move in. A whole new like structure is going to be established. They understood that at this point. They actually probably even understood that the authority he had given us on earth was to take spiritual ground and to take over the ideas and the, and the logic of how people live. But James was with a church where, where all of them were well-intentioned. They were, they were submitting their lives under the authority of Jesus. But he was aware that something was going on that was capable of undoing everything that Jesus had paid for, undoing everything that had been accomplished over those decades of following him as a community. They started to do something that James was, was vividly concerned about. He was concerned because he saw them forgetting what their authority was, and he saw them beginning to turn on one another in a way that, that he realized exposed their immaturity. It exposed that there was something really significant starting to creep in to the fabric of the church. I need to pause for a second because I want, I want you guys to consider with me this. I want you to consider, like, what does is, what is this all add up to? Is it about you surviving your life? I say this frequently. It's like, get to, get to 80 and then die and look back and go, I did it. I stayed faithful. We made it. It's like, hey, I didn't, like, give my life up to dark things. I kind of stayed on a good path. Is that, is that success? Is there more to this? Is there this other idea where God, for thousands of years has picked different ones up and said, I want you to go change the experience of the humans in your generation. I want you to bring light and life to them in such a way that the transformative power of God invades their world. There's poor, there's hungry, there's broken, and they need, they need God. They need the true God. They're serving other gods. I just, I want to, I want to ask for you where is your life going? Are you on a path where you're going to, to navigate kind of a, a traditional route where you get all of the things our culture says you should get, 
but at the end of it, you find yourself having worked so hard, having been so diligent, and you turn and you go, but I never did any of the amazing things that the disciples did. I just survived. <laughs> like, in total, I just survived. I read a handful of books. I had a handful of dinners. I had some good friends, some bad. They're not, you know. I, I had a whole experience, but how rich was it? How close to Jesus was I actually as I look back and say, did I venture into great risk and take ground in the ways that he challenged his disciples to take ground? See, I think God loves you tremendously. I think he's excited about you. I think the fundamentals, like the first, second, third grade fundamentals of I'm his child and he loves me and therefore I feel safe and I can start making progress in a relationship with him. Most of us are well past that. You're so far past that. Now we get into a, a conversation in the upper grades, and I'm in the upper grades. I'm not, in the, I'm not exclusive or elite or some far off place. I'm in this place where I'm saying, God, I'm endeavoring to follow you, but I want more than just following you. I want to see your kingdom really arrive when I walk in a room. When I'm assigned to a certain job or I'm assigned to a certain neighborhood that I live in, where I'm assigned to a certain set of relationships and work or, or friendships or whatever, I want to make sure when I walk in the room, it's as if you walked into the room. I don't want to just be another kind of Christian bystander that has a normal life. It's like, what's the difference between you and a non-Christian that lives in your neighborhood and works at the same place you do? If you can say not much, that's a huge concern. If you say, well, I'm a little bit more successful. God's favor is on me. Well, geez, that's a, that's a tough one. Whoop. I'm so angry I broke my watch. Look at that. Powerful. Dominion weapons. This is a dominion weapons sermon. Dominating everything. Don't get near me, I'll break you. Um, I just, I think we have to be honest and go, I don't have much power in my life yet. I don't. Like, there's sick people all over the place. I haven't healed many this month. Have you? Oh, like, you're so quiet. I'm, this isn't like a shame thing. Like, this is honesty. This is, hey, God gave us authority. Jesus died, resurrected, and he's like, hey, go heal all the sick. James, 40 or 50 years later, writes a letter, and he's like, hey, when people are sick, call them in, heal them, and tell them the kingdom of God helped them. Like, super matter of fact. Like, heal them. Do you guys even think about doing that when your friends are sick? Oh, like that quiet. You don't, don't be, like, don't be, just say no, it's okay. Say no, I don't. I sincerely don't. But we should. I should. I should be like, what is going on with me to where I don't have the kingdom of God in its really basic expression in the Bible showing up in my life yet? That's not Okay. It's not acceptable. I live way too seriously about him. I give so much of my time and effort towards yielding to him. It's not just so like I take the right job or I like marry the right person, all those, although those are good things. There's a, there's a bigger story here that, that James was, was sensitive to. He saw that the authority of the believers was actually starting to be compromised. 
he saw that while they had had examples of generate, like a whole generation almost, like 20, 30 years of people who had faithfully followed out of the wake of Jesus' resurrection, out of the actual disciples, like working miracles to where thousands are saved in one day. There's, there's conversions and, and the flood of Christianity moving throughout the whole region and then into other nations. And now we're 30 years into this, and James is looking out and he's like, whoa, you guys don't get it. You're on the edge of forsaking the authority that God has given us. The fundamentals of what Jesus passed on to us, when he, right before he ascends, he goes, okay, now go heal the sick, raise the dead, do as I did, go out into all the nations, preach this gospel. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He came for salvation for all, and signs and wonders will follow to validate the message. It's the basics. So they had been doing that, but then they'd gotten into a, a, a pattern where they now have a church. Like they come to the same church every week. We're in Jerusalem. James was known as like the, the pastor of pastors. He was the guy that, that was the head pastor, the, the bishop over Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. They had a, probably a big congregation. They probably were doing some good. Right? He challenges them, let's make sure we go act on our faith, not just talk about it. Man, that sounds a lot like us. Like, you know, when I say us, it's like Christianity as a whole. We have these massive congregations all throughout the country, all throughout the world, where people gather and then we celebrate, and there's value to it, and we're set on course and we're connected with God. But then we walk out and we go, how are we different? If James were here, he'd say, make sure you actually do the stuff too. Don't just talk about it. That's a big point that he makes. But then the other point he makes is like, hey, there's authority and dominion that God gave us at creation. Remember that the, everyone in the congregation at this time, they knew the Bible. They absolutely knew the Old Testament. They knew this creation story. Like, that's where we start reading when it all begins. So when James says, if you go back to the slide right before this, um, when he says, for every species of beast and bird, of reptile, everyone immediately goes, oh, creation. They immediately know the story he's referring to. And they, they realize, oh, he's talking about dominion. Like, that's like 101 for God's intention for humankind. They knew that. They, they made that conclusion right the second he starts talking about it. James says, hey, God gave us authority, but you guys are you're, you're misappropriating your authority. I'm actually concerned because you guys are using your weapon, the weapon of the kingdom, the, the, the thing that allows you to transfer power. God says, let's give humankind dominion. He says it with his mouth, and it's transferred. James says, you guys have been doing this for a long time. You're starting not to act like the Disciples Act. You're not actually out there doing anything. You're just talking about it and showing it up on the weekends. And then he goes, you are starting to use your mouths in ways that are evidencing that you're corrupted on the inside. You see, the, the, the authority God has given you is the only tool that God is interested in you using. You are supposed to carry light into many arenas. And it always comes out through you, your words. 
It's not like, I wish it was like this. It's like, Vince, you are awesome. You have given me your life. You even married Sophia. Good move. <laughs> good choice. I endorse that move. You had some kids. You did a good job. Now I'm sending you, just like I sent the apostles. I'm going to send you to this workplace. You're going to get this job, and you're going to go there, and you're going to make a difference. I wish, and sometimes we think it's like this. I've been sent. I know this is the idea that God has for me. I have his endorsement, his authority, so here I go. Hi, welcome to this new workplace. I, I walk in, and I'm like, I'm here. The kingdom is now here, but I'm not going to say a word about it. I'm just going to be here, and you're lucky to have me. And after a year, you find yourself thinking and acting just like everybody else in your workplace. You bicker about the same stuff. You complain about your, the bosses. You complain about your pay. You, you, you become just like everybody else, and at no time do you consider, maybe God sent me here to bring the kingdom, not in my shell, but in my spirit, which manifests in my voice. I have to speak like God spoke for the authority of heaven to show up in a place. I have to declare and agree with God's ideas, concepts, and imaginations for people in this environment in order for his dominion to actually take place. Now, it's not that we need to walk around at work and say, the weapons of my warfare and dominion have now arrived. Let me declare the kingdom of heaven to you, Serena, because you need it. It's not weird spiritual. It's I'm speaking as if I were Jesus in this environment. And so I'm looking for the poor, the broken, the needy. I'm looking for the ones in the environment who need to be lifted up and I'm declaring truth and light and life and love to them. But you say, well, no, I go. That's enough. Well, no, I'll just be honest with you. No, it's not. It's truthfully not. Like you arriving in a place doesn't change the place. Jesus walked into environments and he began to speak. He didn't walk into environments and then stand there until everyone were healed. He actually did things. He spoke. He acted. And, and James was aware that a church was growing. It was big. It was established. It was almost a tradition at this point. There were so many people drawn to the truth and presence of Jesus. And they were experiencing him, and it was good. But there was this other thing that was beginning to happen. The people began to speak as if they were just like everybody else. He talks about the tongue, and he's like, it's this evil thing, guys. It's really hard to manage and maintain. He, he actually says anyone who manages their tongue is a perfect person, like is able to say only the things that should be said. You're a perfect person. It's like a rudder of a ship, like a huge ship can be turned by what comes out. I'm, I'm really challenged, and I want to challenge you guys. I'm challenged, one, to begin to use our voices in positive, affirming, and uplifting ways everywhere we go. I'm also challenged to be really, really critical and aware of corruption that might be within us to where we're able to 
not bless, but curse. See, it says it this way. Go to that next slide. James says, you see the red there? It says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. That word blessing is praise. It's the same word we use for praise. So the same word, the same vehicle is capable of actually giving God of all creation something. We've been talking about how praise is so significant. It's the thing that we are able to do that God turns to and says, wow, that's for me. That's special. Like, I can't do anything else, like, in this earth. I can't, <laughs> I can't do much. And he's like, oh, I'm going to keep that. Like, nice picture, Vince. It's like my kids. They draw art for me every day. I get, like, 15 pictures a day. They're like, Daddy, Daddy, this is so special. It's for you. And I'll take it and go, wow, that's amazing. And then they walk away, and I'll just, like, stick it right over here. Because it just, it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it's not forever. What's forever between me and them is, Daddy, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, Daddy, I'm excited to see you. It's the words that they give to me, not the things they do for me. The things they do for me, you guys know, a two-year-old, a three-year-old can't physically do anything for you. Imagine where we rank in a, in a God's like, life continuum that's billions of years old. He's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're 21. You know? you're, you're 21. You have no idea. I've been here for generations. All your life can only amount to this much. But it's you, it's the words that come out of your mouth that are towards me where I feel alive and validated and good. And so that's God's beautiful interaction with us as it relates to praise. And the question James is asking is, how can something that's so capable of being beautiful and honoring to God also curse? Also curse. That word curse is interesting because cursing implies dominion. It implies that you have the ability to affect something. A curse over something is a meaningful thing. It's not a flippant word. It's like, I don't like chocolate. It's not a curse. Chocolate will melt and die and go into caverns of hell forever. That's a curse. That's like, I have authority to make this thing change its outcome change its state. It's interesting that God has designed us in the same way that he, he was or is, and he said, I want to give you that same ability to create like I created. See, I, re, I remember thinking about you, and I was like, I think the earth needs one of those, and I'll speak that person into existence. I think the earth needs these type of advancements. I'll speak those ideas into existence. I think the earth needs more trees. I'll speak those into existence. So he's made us, and he's like, I want you to create good on earth, like I created good when I started all of this. I want you to continue to create good, and I want to challenge you that in your ability to create good, you also have the ability to curse. But there's something fundamentally wrong if your vessel is capable of doing both because it points to something underlying that authority that you have, and it's the heart with which you act. It's not the tongue exactly that's evil. It's the heart that activates the tongue that needs to be evaluated. James wasn't hoping that everyone in his church would get their tongues cut out, like physically. Like, hey guys, got to make a move here. In the Old Testament, they did circumcision. New Testament, we're going to do, let's just get rid of the tongues. They're evil. This wasn't literal. 
This wasn't a literal thing. This was a, this was a, a spiritual pointer where he said, guys, God has given you dominion, authority to create and ignite new good things wherever you go. That is the whole point of us continuing to live post-salvation. We're supposed to advance the goodness of God's intention on earth. But beware, this thing that's in you that allows you to rise up and speak. See, sometimes we just want to say speak negatively because it feels lighter. But you're actually cursing when you're able to speak against or come against or criticize or tear down other human beings. Beware, beware, because it's a fundamental power you have, and the enemy would like to harness it for evil, just like God would like to harness it for good. But he will never take away your authority. It's something he's given you when he created you. It's fundamental to you, so you decide, not just once, but every day of your life, will I be a good creator? Will I be a good messenger? Will I be someone that goes into different environments and uplifts with my mouth? Or will I be capable at the same time of turning and cursing, stealing the life away from these other ones? And I just, I want it to be super practical for you guys. It's not a spiritual far off thing. This is not something you're like, yeah, maybe four years ago I remember doing something and it was bad. This is like how you think, how you act, and specifically how you speak every single day, it always reveals the nature of what's on, going on in your heart. It always does. I, I'm always fascinated when I interact with people. Um, things come out of their mouth and you're like, wow, I just learned a lot about you and you have no idea you just said that. You have no idea what you just said. But I just saw so much that was there. Sometimes really good, oftentimes really bad. But these are beautiful people. You go, that must have been like terrible people. No, 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 no. Really beautiful people can have really broken things on the inside. And so James, James is onto something here that's so significant. He's saying, we, we have the, not only the design, we've not only been designed this way, we have the responsibility, we have the responsibility to live with understanding the authority that God has given us. I want you guys not just to have great lives. I want you guys to take ground for the kingdom of God. And what that looks like is people being resurrection, resurrected from the dead. It means their lives are restored, resurrected from the dead. People who are dead, dying, or on a track for death, you turn them around with the power of God that's in you. But I'll tell you, if you have a lifestyle that only turns on holiness, goodness, and the authority of Jesus when there's a situation where it's like, this person needs me, I'm gonna be a superhero. But then the 98% of the time, you are, you're corrupted and your speech about everyone is, is often leaning into this place of criticism and, and critical tearing down. I just, I keep thinking of a picture of like chopping a tree down we rarely are like, I curse that person, I hope they die. Like, that is not how we are. 
I don't think that's how they were when James was pastor either. I don't think they were walking around, like walking into church going, oh, bless you, I like you so much. Oh, you shall die. Like, you, I don't like, I don't like you. We're not that way. But there's, there's this other thing. It's like, did you really like those songs they sang? I didn't. I, I don't, that wasn't that good. Did you like that message? Oh, God. Yeah, heard better. Uh, that, I deserve a raise. My boss, he doesn't know. He's, you know, he doesn't appreciate me. Uh, I wish I was a little thinner. I'd be, I'd be more likable. These are all weirdly subtle, critical, like axes against a tree. Do you remember that fight we had? That was her fault. She should have fixed that. She didn't see that right. She treated me bad. Chopping her down. I'm chop, I'm, in the spirit, I'm chopping that, that person down. I'm using this weapon that's designed to create new worlds and create hope and goodness. I'm using it for this other thing where I'm tearing down through criticism, through maybe a lack of control over my words, I'm giving place to something that's actually cursing rather than bringing life and light. All of us can make advancements here. James was clear about that. He's like, guys, every one of us struggle with this. But I'm telling you, it's the most fundamental thing we have. Because for you to go on living thinking that the words that you say don't have an effect are a fundamental misunderstanding of how you were made, not how you were saved. Everyone outside of these halls that don't believe in Jesus have authority in their words. They have the ability to affect the world that they're in. And so for us, our job is to bring light, life, and goodness without exception. If you find yourself frequently being someone who's capable of criticizing, tearing down, uh, being, being contrary to, I'll just challenge you James was really upset about it. <laughs> He'd be really mad at you. He'd come in and go, you've got to figure this out. And he says it's kind of like hell in your mouth. It's this fire that no one can put out. It's ugly and nasty, and he's really vivid in his description of how powerful this thing is. And so I want to encourage you guys. Let's look at the last two slides really quick. I want to encourage you guys. There is really, really good things coming. Um, but there's a requirement that's on us to manage the way we speak and to understand it's not just how we speak to each other, it's also how we speak in our hearts and our minds towards God. How we celebrate and thank and declare his goodness as opposed to being critical, analytical, and, and questioning. It's a posture of heart. That, that can go on where maybe we, we're not even able to articulate it, but there's resentment, there's, there's tension, there's, there's a fight within us, there's a war, rather than a celebration of all that's good. In God's kingdom, dominion is maintained by word. I, I said earlier, it's transferred. Dominion is given by word. It's also maintained. I think the logic here, if you look, I think we have one more. Yeah, let's look at that last one. So this is that same verse. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. With it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. I'll tell you this. If I'm the boss, 
I'm the one in charge. I have authority over everything. And I find one of my people is undermining, criticizing, attacking other people in my, in my arena. I quickly remove that person and say, you have no authority here anymore because I will guard and protect. And I think when God gives authority over to us and says, I want you to take my place in this environment. I want you to be my representative there. He looks at us and he watches and he says, will they encourage, will they lift up, will they bring good? And I think that the day we start to turn and become subject to the spirit of that arena rather than the subject of the spirit of the good God that we serve, he probably says, oh, I gotta get somebody else that understands their authority and put them in this arena. And so I wanna encourage you guys, we have many, many good things coming, many good things ahead for each and every one of us. You have authority to change the people that God has assigned you to. You have authority to make an impact by bringing his goodness through these weapons that you guys have. And also just realize have that tolerance for negativity, criticism, weakness, basically, of tongue, don't have it. Don't allow it. Just be zero, zero tolerance. Be so aggressive to shut it down because I think if Jesus were standing with you, he'd be so proud to give you more and more authority over, over the arenas he's assigned you to because your hearts are so pure and so good. Now we just got to fight to actually get control over this, this tool set he's given us. Is that good? All right, let me pray for you guys. I'm proud of you. We're doing good. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence. I thank you so much for visiting us this morning in our worship. We, we ask God that like James, we would be aware of the words that come out of our mouth. We'd be aware that that we're able to bless you and we're designed not to curse others. We're designed to lift them up, to call life out of them, to, to lead them into places of great victory and, and resurrection. And so we ask, Lord, that you would begin to call us to a higher standard. We repent if we've been critical or um, subject to basically being negative and cursing the world that you've assigned us to. We ask that you would shine your light on those areas of our heart that need to be turned over and resurrected by your grace. And we ask, God, that you would begin to send us with greater and greater authority, with greater and greater joy and greater and greater hope into every environment we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Sunday. It's beautiful outside.